Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. You know, we don't uh, give the pulpit up very much other than to folks inside our own body. We've got so many folks right here in our own body that have the ability to bring God's word. But one of uh, the, the kind of the goals of my own heart was that through the course of our existence, as God would work it out, I'd get to bring some of my, uh, my closest friends that I trust, that I have extreme faith. You guys got to know I guard this pulpit carefully. I just don't let anybody walk in here and preach uh, because, I, because I feel an obligation to protect you. And uh, so one of my goals was over, hopefully over the course of our existence to, that some of these folks that I've been in relationship, the individual that's going to come today and minister God's Word, we've been in relationship for almost 20 years. Uh, I started out as this long-haired hippie youth pastor. Y'all don't believe that, but I got pictures to prove it. I had a mullet of all mullets, and I left Southwestern Christian University and moved to South Carolina to a little place called McCall. You've never heard of McCall. The only thing ever, ever famous happened in McCall was that's where Michael Jordan's dad was found when he was killed. Uh, that's the only thing that's ever famous happened there. And I moved there and started youth pastoring and ran into this other youth pastor who was from the big city of Raleigh, uh, North Carolina, and I uh, felt like a little hick. And, and so I called him and I said, man, could you just find it in your time to come down? And he came and preached the first youth revival he ever preached for me. And from that day on, we have been knit. David and Jonathan kind of spirit, we've been knit with one another. I was the hippie back then. He's the hippie now. Uh, I don't know how that worked out. I lost mine. He, I guess he got all mine. I don't understand. But uh, Warren Beamer is going to come and minister the word today. Warren is a, a great man of God. Come on, Warren. Uh, Warren just recently, uh, he had been youth pastoring at John Hagee's church for, what, 11 years? 13, all right, we are getting old. He'd been at John Hagee's church for 13 years as a youth pastor and just recently stepped out on and started a ministry to youth pastors and young people all across America. I love him because he preaches out of the Old Testament, kind of where I like to hang out a lot. So uh, this is Warren Beamer. Man, love you. Hallelujah. It's so good to be in this house this morning. I mean, it's, a, it's an amazing blessing and pleasure. I can remember the days of McCall, South Carolina, and we had some times back then, didn't we? The presence of God was so sweet. We saw some beautiful things happen, and then we did that in other cities, and we did that uh, in other levels, and and now here we are in the middle of this beautiful plant um, to watch Julie lead worship at Falcon Church Camp <laughs> with a great team all the way to leading with this beautiful team that was up here. Oh my goodness, what a gorgeous, gorgeous morning. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Isn't it good to feel this? There's no encumbrance. There's nothing that holds you back. There's nothing saying you can't do it. You can wail if you need to wail. You, you can dance. You can praise Him. You can, just, you can just exalt Him. There's such a freedom in here. You can tell the answer to what is your passion is very easily seen as, as you walk into this room today. And I just praise God for that. And I praise God for Steve and Julie and their family. They've been amazing friends for uh, 20 years, and uh, I bless God for that, and I bless God for the next 20. And we haven't, in Jesus' name, began to see what he's going to do. Uh, great things, as uh, Steve's mother and father have always been so precious to me as well, and I uh, just respect and honor their whole family and all that they are. And so I bless the Lord this morning for that, and uh, 
I'm going to ask you to turn with me in your word as, as Steve had already kind of relayed to, to the Old Testament, to 1 Samuel, the 30th chapter. Turn with me there if you would. Um, I do love the Old Testament. If you've, not, if you've not got into the Old Testament or learned to, then you're missing out the, the part that's got a... It's got all the amazing pyrotechnics and special effects. It's got the bad to the bone stuff. I mean, you see walls fall. You see, you see rivers divided. You see the power of God come in amazing ways. And it's something we can't pass or we, we, we can't miss or pass up. Uh, it's an amazing, an amazing place and point. But I want to read to you real quick in the <clears throat> first verse of the 30th chapter. It says this. I'm sorry, not the first verse. Um, yes, the first verse, I'm sorry. In the first verse of the 30th chapter, And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south of Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives and those that were therein and slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept until they were, had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captive, Ahinahim, Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal the Carmelite. <clears throat> David was greatly distressed, for the people spoke of stoning him, because the stole of all the people was grieved. Every man for his son and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abathar the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee, bring me hither the ephod. And Abathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, Pursue, thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. Father, I thank you for your goodness and mercy, your grace that's in this house today, God. Father, the ability to do beyond, Lord God, what we can naturally do in this place. Father, thank you for your purpose and your presence, Lord, in everything we've sensed and felt. Father, we ask you today, Lord God, that you bless this time, that the word would be applied to us, Father, as you've desired, and that you'd alter, Lord Jesus, our lives according to what your will is set to do and be. We love you, Lord God, and we thank you for your goodness and grace, Lord God. Bless our pastors, Lord Jesus, and our family where they are, Lord God. And keep them in the center of your hand and will. In Jesus' name. And everyone said. Amen. Now, something that I just ended off, I want to so encourage you in this morning. Something that I, I learned years ago in, in a process of, of doing youth ministry that would become incredibly beneficial to me. That has paid off dividends like I can't tell you for myself. But I've seen for other people. And I want to encourage you in this one thing. The, the last thing that I just ended off this even prayer with was that I did something very particular. I blessed my pastors. I want you to hear what I'm saying on this today. Do you understand that the blessing trickles down today? The blessing comes from the top down. And if your authorities are blessed, then you're blessed. If, if your father and mother were blessed when you were growing up, you were blessed. If your father and mother had more, you had more. If your pastors are more anointed, then there's more anointing to share down and pour on you. If there's word in their heart, then there's going to be word to give you. If there's presence of God on them, then there's going to be presence of God even greater on you. If there's blessing on their life, then there's going to be blessing on you. And I want to encourage you today. And every, every time that, it, and I do this, and my leaders do this, and we've walked this with other churches, that every time we eat, 
whether we break bread or we open the word, we bless our pastors. Knowing this, if there's 250 people in this church as a whole, and bless God, you bless him every time you eat a meal, every time you close it out, 750 prayers a day will be going up for your pastors. Do you understand the power of that, how that starts to multiply? When the people in the church just start to take a principle and say, you know what, sweetheart, baby, children, we're, we're, we're blessing our food today. Don't forget to bless your pastors at the end of it. And all of a sudden that starts to be multiplied through your children and through their lives. You will be amazed to see what starts to happen in honor that's poured to you, even for your own children, because your children will start to realize they're blessing their parents as well. They're blessing their leaders and their authorities. And, and, and it's, it's one of the most amazing deals. And I want to encourage you there this morning that when you bless your food, how many will, will, will take a challenge with me for the next 30 days that when you bless your food, you're going to bless your pastors? Every time you bless your food, end it with, Father, bless my pastors. Call them out and bless them in Jesus' name. You know, we read this passage this morning and we see David in what really is not the most blessed place. David has is, is found a, a covering of sorts and he's found a place to be even though he wasn't in the safest realm of things on e either side of the fence, but he's found a place to be and it's an intense place. And sometimes we just find ourselves in intense places. Sometimes we find ourselves in intense moments of life and in, in intense facets and intense things that are going on. And, and, so, and many times, most of the time, if we're walking by the presence of God, if we're walking out the will of God and we're, we're standing in the midst of Him, those intense places come because sometimes the will of God is an intense thing. God can place you in intense places where He can keep you and He will hold on to you. He can place you in intense circumstances where you're witnessing and you, you didn't realize it would be this much danger or that it would be this much maybe travail to your finances or, or maybe these other things that would go on. And, but yet He's asked you to walk and live in intense places. The Garden of Gethsemane was an intense place. Jesus didn't ask to be there. He, in fact, He asked not to even drink the cup. It was an intense place. What he was about to walk through the cross was an intense place. And many times we find ourselves in intense places. And, and many times we find ourselves in those intense places not necessarily because of the will of God, but because we've walked somewhat in our own flesh or, or because fear has come about or other people have done certain things or because we've walked a certain way. But many times we find ourselves in intense places. And I, I want to ask you this morning, where are you walking at today? And in the middle of your life, in your family, and in your finances, are you walking in an intense place because you've paid your tithe and been faithful? Are you walking in an intense place because you've chosen not to pay your tithe and you want to put it on your own and you say, God, I can guard and keep this. Where's the place that you're walking at today and why are you there? Why are you in an intense place with your family? Why are you in an intense place in your job or, or your career, the things that are going on? So many times we find ourselves in what seems to be an intense place. And David finds himself right there this morning. He finds himself in a place called Philistia. He finds himself in a place called Ziklag. He's not in a place that's, that's given over to, to Israel. He's not in a place that's friendly to him. He's not in a place that's supposed to be beneficial to him. In fact, he's fought these people. He killed one of their giants to start his career. They know who he is. and Yet he's in a place called Ziklag this morning. How does a David get into a Ziklag? If, if you consider yourself a David or like the story of David or, or want to be David this morning, a, a question I would throw at you today is to, is to start to understand how a David can end up at a Ziklag. 
How can David end up living in enemy territory? How can David end up being in a place where he's got to wonder on all sides what's going on and what's happening? How can David be in this place? And, and when you start to look at it, some different things, even in my own, my own mind's eyes, start to come about. David's father, in a sense, was neutralized. His father, Jesse, wouldn't have as much play in his life or, or as much to cover him. He's running for his life. He's, he, he's, in, he's in a spot to where his, his father's been neutralized. And that which would, have, which would have been a foundation for his life is almost, almost has to take a back seat. And, and he's beyond it in some experiences and some things that he doesn't really realize. And I would ask you this morning, are you father today? Are you, are you submitting your life in the right places? Are you, are you making sure you're staying connected to that which has been a foundation for you and that which has been the, the solidity. I'm, I'm not sure if David, if Jesse would have told David to go into Ziklag. Son, are you sure that's where you need to go today? Is that the wisdom from God for you, son? Do you remember you killed Goliath when all this started? Do you remember that those people won't guard you, even if they give you a safe spot? And many times we take and we put ourselves in a place that we think we can handle. I think I can handle this. I think I can do the deal. I can make it. And David will go and he will almost find a, 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 someone else to link into. He will find Achish. He will find, the, he will find the, the Philistine king and he will start to grow next to him. And he will, they're both men of war, so there's a commonality there. And he starts to do a commonality, not on what he's led in the spirit, but, what on, he, but on what he can do in the flesh. He gains... He gains strength in a place and he gains wisdom. He gains position, not from a leading of the Lord, but from a talent and a gift. And all of a sudden now he's walking with the king of Philistia, a man that really should be his enemy, a man that is going to fight his people, fight the king that he's supposed to be serving, and go against everything that he is, but yet he's making a union with him according to what they know as men of honor and men in a certain gifting of war. He's doing it as in, it's just a total different thing. And it's something that he's, he's not walking in this way. What is happening? What is leading you into the places that you're at today? Are you leaning to your gifting? Are you following the Spirit? Are you trying to make other relations? He would lose what would be foundational almost to him, it would seem. Or at least it wouldn't have been much play in his life. And secondly, that which would be his authority... The Saul in his life is, is, is wicked. You know, so many times we can be in a spot where the things that have been around us just, just don't walk right. They're just, they're, they're, just I don't want to say an evil sense, even though there was an evil that was dealing through Saul's life. It's, it's, it's just that the things around us, sometimes they no, longer, they, they no longer hold the authority. I mean, many people get disillusioned with the church and the, and, and the life of the church and the background because things don't go necessarily right in the church. And so they feel that the church has lost an authority or power in their life and it's become wrong or bad. Or somebody that, that you might know, maybe they, they act in a different way. I mean, you're blessed this morning to have pastors that I know the integrity that they walk in. I know the spirit and life and heart that they have. But I'm going to tell you something. That's not in ev under every steeple in America. And in your life, that's not been under every steeple you've stood under. Five of the seven pastors that I've sat under in 25 years have fallen morally. Three of which walked away from the pulpit completely and left it all together. 
And there's been times in my life where Saul seemingly was there and, and, and because of the seemingly loss, all of a sudden I'm willing to walk into another place that's intense and I'm willing to go to a, to, to, to a Ziklag to live somewhere else. To live where I can guard myself, to live where I can make my own and it just kind of holes out in here. Many times the thing that is gone is that which, is that which has led us and been our comfort and our strength. Right before this all happens, it's seemingly the, the straw that broke the camel's back is the thing that changed stuff is that a man that died named Samuel. Samuel was the one that was a comfort to David. Samuel was the one that was a peace to David. Samuel was the one that was a strength to David. He covered David everywhere he went. Even though Saul would try to destroy him, Samuel was always there on his side. Samuel was behind him. And sometimes the things that lead you die. It might be your health that you really had dependence on. Or it might be your finances. It might be, it might be a, your, your marriage. It might be your financial status. To, but there's things that we really trust in, things that are comfort to us, things that have been a great grace to us, and all of a sudden they're not there anymore. God forbid that, that God take away the man of God from your head today. But if Pastor Steve and, and Julie were no longer here, where would you go? Would you be able to walk solid in that which God has laid in you? Could you take the notes from all the things that you've, that you've done in the past? Could you, could you look at the road rules that you'll start to know in the next few weeks and go, I can live by the road rules and everything that's taught me. I don't have to move to Ziklag. When what leads you dies, where will you go? When what's been a comfort, a strength, a peace, that which has solidified things for you so much, when, if it's not there, where will you go? What will you do? Will you be willing to move to Ziklag? So many times, we don't even realize it. The things that are happening around us, you might be here today, and you might have already moved to a Ziklag, an intense place, and you haven't even realized that you've moved there. But you're living in a place that you've got to guard on every corner. You're living in a place that's not really full of the presence. It's full of the presence if you bring it there. But it's not full of the presence because it was ordained there. And many times we move into a place that's ziklack. And, well, I can do this because I've got the presence of God. Well, i got Pastor Steve's notes. and I can live in this compromise. I can live in this relationship. I can live in these places. I can do these things. Because I know what I got. David knew who he was. He was a man of war. David was bad to the bone. Saul killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. He had to, he got he had a be shy. He had our friend. Remember a be shy. He had the most faithful servant. He had Shammah. He had the boys. Oh, he he wasn't he wasn't worried necessarily. You've got your gifts and your talents. You've got your anointing. You know how to speak in the Holy Ghost. You know how to pray. You've studied your word. You've got your notes from time and time again. And sometimes we move into a place that's intense because we think we can handle it there. So many times, especially young people, are willing to move into an intense place and live in relationships that are not godly. 
Live amongst friends that are not godly. In places and atmospheres that are not godly. Doing things that are not godly. Because they know their parents. They know the word that's been given them. They know the spirit that's been over them all their life. And they're willing to walk places that are dangerous. That threaten to destroy their life. Because they live in a ziklag. just don't realize you might be bad to the bone but you're not always on and before you know it you let down your guard at one point and you don't even realize it that the Amalekites come running in and you live in a place called Ziklag you live in relationships that are not godly relationships or things or places according to certain principles and they're not godly blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessed is the man who who does not walk in the path of sinners or sit in the seat of the scornful. Are the people that you're walking with today that you get your testimony or or any advice today, are are, are they the ungodly? I'm going to tell you something. Jim Cramer ain't the final word on your finances. How about the how about the sinner? Do you walk in the path with the sinner, or do you sit in the, the seat of those that scorn against? Oh, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, <laughs> and he shall be like a tree planted by living waters. Sometimes we place ourselves in an intense place, and we don't even realize that we've put ourselves right there. We don't even get it. We don't see how all of a sudden we're in a spot that's dangerous. He's there. He's in this place. And, and, and it's, not just the, it's not just a normal life. David's been running for like a dozen years now. He's been running from Saul for, from this and from that. Saul's threatened to destroy him. And, and it's, been, it's been a time. It's been a time that he's been in a path that's been crazy. It's been quite a run. But it's not about the battle that he's at at this moment. It needs to be about his war. And so many times we focus on our small battles. And when we do, we end up starting to lose our war. What's the path God's led? Yeah, you can go here and do this all you want to. But does it answer your war? You can do, I can live in Ziklag if I want to, but is it making what I'm anointed to be? I'm anointed to be the king of Israel is what David should be saying. And yet he's about to make an alliance with the king to go fight against Saul. And at the last moment, bless the Lord, all the generals and the high ups of the, of the Philistines come up and they say, hey, don't let him fight with us. Send him back to Ziklag. He's not in a place that's supposed to answer his war. He's not in a place that's supposed to answer what the anointing of God is on his life. So many times we think about our battle at the moment. Well, I've got to get my battle of my finances is right here. So I've got to guard and do this extra thing for myself. 
when the war is to be prospered and blessed in the Lord. And so I'm open completely to God. And if it seems like I'm losing this battle, it doesn't matter. I'm in His hands as long as I stay fighted towards the war. In my, in, in my family, in my, with my children, with my wife, it's not, it's not a matter if I win this exact thing right now. It's the overall of what our family is supposed to be and what God wants to do. And so now I look at this situation and the war, I, I've got to trust God in for the battle because the war is His. It, it's, it's God's taking me over the whole expanse. I don't look at the moment of my life. I look at the journey and say, God, where are you taking me? It's about our journey. And he gets into this place. He walks into the place that's, that's, that's tough and he's living there. And as he's living there, we see a couple things that David would do that would set up the tragedy that comes. Because there's a tragedy coming in this scene. When, when you live in Ziklag, There are tragedies that happen. Jesus was at Ziklag in a sense, it being an intense place when he was in Gethsemane. And yes, the deal came. He was betrayed by someone. He went to Golgotha, which was an intense place, and he was crucified. I need you to understand today, whether you live in an intense place by the, by the grace of God and the calling that he's in, or whether you live in Ziklag today because your flesh has set you in the spot, there's going to be a tragedy, so to speak, that's going to come in the middle of your life. There's going to be times where those turn on you. There's going to be times that, that, that people fail you. There's going to be times that, that the enemy opens up shop on you and starts to go work against who you are. There is a crucifixion. There are things of carrying your cross. There's stuff that's coming on whichever way you go, but, but one of them... One of them is a grace that brings you towards your purpose and the other one threatens to destroy and end exactly who you are. But we live in intense places. Are you ready to live in the intense place of His anointing? Are you ready to live in the intense place of, of Gethsemane if He calls you there, of, 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 of taking up your cross and following Him, of the things that you're going to have to endure for your family, friends, for the people you're called to. Are you ready? You don't have an anointing to do the things that you do without the enemy coming at you. And if you're anointed today, it's an intense place that you've walked in since you've been born. We look at David living in an intense place, one that God didn't necessarily choose for him. And he sits at this spot and we start to see and we can see some spots with David where he's at. David should have been home in that spot. It was an intense place and David should have been there. But instead of being home in the middle of the spot, he was fighting another battle. He didn't see the danger that was around him at Ziklag. And it's so easy so many times to forget the danger that's at home because there's a battle out there on the front somewhere. It's so easy to forget about how the enemy wants to attack what's closest to you because you're trying to save what's at a distance. Try to understand where the, where the, where the real battle's at this morning and what has to be secured before anything else. Hear me this morning. Hear me. It's not always time to go out. And you've got to know the timing and what the Lord tells you 
But sometimes you just got to pull it in. Sometimes you got to pull it right here. And you know what? Let's guard and fight and defend this. And you know, it's so easy to have rose-colored glasses on. It's so easy. And, and this is where, this is where, it, hear me in this home. Hear me, children in this place. You, you need to open up your lips to your mother and father and say, this is where I'm at. Hear me, husband and wife today. You need to open up your mouth and say, this is who I am and what I am and where I need and where it's at. It, there, there's things need to be uttered and voiced and said, and you need to look with discerning eyes, not just on what you want to hear. And see the spot for your family this morning, exactly who they are. See the spot in every case and in, in, in every way. It's not always time to go spend on something else. Sometimes you've got to put in savings. It's not, it's not time to buy a, new, a brand new boat probably this morning. It's time for you to put away and you to be ready for the famine that's coming. It's time to put into the storehouse, not into building you a new house possibly. You better fight what's here rather than putting all out to everything else at the time. If just David would have been home. He's anointed for this. He's anointed. And we look at the spot and we see where David in this case, David, David should be covering something and it's left uncovered. Are you covering every area in the midst of that which God has given you? Are you covering things? Are you covering your family? Are you covering that which is close to you? And then secondly, David will leave and no one's at the doorpost. He's called and he's anointed to go to war and he's set and it's what he's called and set to do. And bless God, he's going to walk in those things. But what is guarding the door? He didn't leave a single man behind from what we hear. He took everybody with him. And there's got to be a guarding of the door. And it's not just a guarding of anybody. You don't just trust your family to whoever. You don't just trust your finances to whoever. You don't just trust your church to whoever. Your, 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 your anointing to whoever. You don't just trust your ministry. You trust it to somebody that you know is going to walk in the presence and the power of God. You trust it. It's got to be somebody you know is complete. I don't know the, the whole makeup of the, of the staff here and, and who's here, but I, I know Pastor Steve, if, if he walked out of the place today and he had to go because something was happening in, in Wichita, Kansas, and him and Miss Julie had to be there, that he'd have, I, I don't believe he'd have any problem leaving everything right on top of Woody and, and Woody carrying it in the anointing that Steve walks in and walking the same way. I think he knows. He can, he can trust him. He's, he's tried in it. But we leave our... Sometimes our family and our friends, our children, to people that don't necessarily, you better be circumspect. You better look in such a way. What are you leaving them to? And are you leaving anybody at all? He, he was in an intense place and you've got to make sure it's covered and you've got to make sure there's a guarding happening in the spot. But he didn't. And when he didn't do those things, all of a sudden we look and we see 
that David goes to battle. And as he goes to battle, he's off somewhere else warring and doing the different things that he does. What he's, what he's actually, he's anointed to be a man of war. He's bad to the bone. He's, he's gifted at it incredibly. And while he's gone, the Amalekites will walk right in the front door. They don't even walk in the back door, it would seem. There was, it was just wide open. And they walk in what should have been destroyed years previous ends up walking in to destroy all that he has. Because the Amalekites were supposed to be destroyed by Saul. But Saul chose to keep the good alive. And so the Amalekites remained and what was supposed to have been destroyed years before now walks into David's front door to take him to pieces. In our lives, what if we left lingering that's looking for its opportunity for one more shot to come back on us? What have we left alive? What have we left there? What have we left the door open on? What have we not cleared? Don't think that you can just put something under the rug of an argument or something that's been in the midst of your family or, or that, that you can just write over whatever that is tax-wise and just kind of make it fuzzy and, and push it into the back or that you can do whatever the other thing is, whatever's been going on. What's waiting in the wings for you to leave something open or uncovered and then it will walk right in the door? What have you not finished out? Or what have you kept along because it seemingly brought you comfort? Because it seemingly made things work okay? That's the Amalekites this morning. The Amalekites walk into the door. They walk in and the Word of God says says that they burn everything. They burn the village. They, 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 they leave nothing but ashes behind. They, they burn everything to the ground and and it becomes this horrible scene. It's a smoldering mess. And I can imagine, can you imagine David coming back from war? Can you imagine him? They're, they're happy and there's a victorious that's, that's in the middle of them. There's, there's something that's there that, that they're wanting to get home or they're waiting to get there. And as they get there, all of a sudden they see the billows rising over the hill. And they kind of reset and they... All of a sudden, an urgency starts to take in where it should have been instead of fight, 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 out some other battle, it should have been protect, protect, protect. Hear me on that thing. It's not get another house, another house, another car, another thing. It's, it's short what you got, you got, you got. And all of a sudden, I can see the intensity start to take in David and the horses start to be let go and they start to be just opened up and they just, they're let go to run as fast as they can run and they come to the edge of the city and as they get to the edge of the city they can see the embers on the ground and the buildings that are crushed and, and, and everything that is put, they see the, the, the charred walls and, and they can smell the smoke now. And I can see the men getting off their horses that see their houses first and start to to walk into the, into the camp, into the city. And I could see David and the other men riding 
far, as they ride right through the middle. There is no life. There's no activity. They can see the streets are bare, and the men start to run building to building, and there's nobody there. They start to run all the way through, and, 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 and everything's been burned. It, it's a horrible thing. They've lost it all. They've lost it all. And all of a sudden, fear can come on. Depression, anxiety, the things that just start to hit, that start to take us another route, that start to make us think other things, that start to make us react and respond in ways that are not God's ways. Fear is never supposed to be a driving factor for you. Do you hear me? Fear of the Lord, yes. And there's a natural fear. You don't touch fire, you'll get burned. But in what you decide to do for the middle of your life, the, the fear is not supposed to be what drives you. Faith is supposed to be what drives you. And you ask sometimes, why are you scared of something? There's a young man that was in the ministry with me, with me one time, uh, very, very close, one of, my, one of my closest. And as he was in the ministry with me just a, a couple years back, Someone close to me looked at him and said, hey, you're not supposed to be here anymore. And it's somebody that would have had authority with him. And they said, you're not supposed to be here anymore. You know, I think you, I think you and your wife need to leave. And, and this person compared this amazing leader of, of mine. His, his name's Jacob. Uh, compared this young man to somebody else who was not faithful in the ministry. And somebody that, that, was, that, that didn't walk things right and... And all of a sudden, he took this, oh, really, what should I do? And I'm out of town, and I fly back into town. As I fly back in town, he picks me up. We have this, this talk, and he says, you know, should I leave? Should I move? Should I go? All of a sudden, some things were crushed in him by what was spoken to him and some things that were said. And, and he looks up, and he says, I just don't know what I should do. Pastor, should, should I, should, you know, me, me, and, me and my wife were praying about whether we should leave. We're praying about whether we should go on. And this was a while back. And, and, and I, I, I don't know. And I said, well, you know, just seek the Lord. Ask Him for an answer. He said, I'll do that. And, and we went on and he asked the Lord for an answer. And I asked him about three days later. I said, well, have you, have you heard from the Lord yet? Has He spoke to you? He goes, no, Pastor, I ain't heard a thing. I'm, I'm just still seeking Him. I'm still asking. I'm still asking. And about a week went by and I looked up at Him again and I saw this, the anxiety and the intrepidation. There was no peace. There was nothing there. And I said, have you got an answer from God yet? And He goes, no, Pastor, I really haven't. And I looked and I said, well, then let me ask you. Let me ask you, why are you asking? And He said, well, what do you mean why am I asking? I said, my children have no problem going to sleep in the dark. They have no problem. I kiss them on top of the head. I pray over them every night before they go to sleep. And then I shut out the light and I walk out the door. And they have no problem going to sleep right there unless they hear a bump in the night. And if they hear a bump in the night, all of a sudden, and they start to look. And they look under the bed and the shadows are moving and this thing in every creek starts to be magnified and everything starts to go down and they look in the closet and it seems like something's there and all of a sudden things start to forebode and come on top of them and they start to wonder and worry and before I know it is, Dad, Dad, Dad! I said, but as long as they've not heard a bump in the night, 
They'll go to sleep soundly and there'll never be a problem. I said, are you asking God right now for what he should do, what you should do because there's been a bump in the night? Are you asking him because you've heard the voice just like Samuel said, that, that just like it did for Samuel, Samuel, have you heard the word of God? Has he called you? Or has something come that's made you fear and now you're looking for another place? Are you looking to move and do something different in your family, your finances, your marriage or whatever because something has scared you or because God has told you? And so many times the bump in the night comes and we, we're freaked. God, this is going to go down. What am I going to do? I'm going to run to the flesh here. I'm going to run to that. I'll live in Ziklag. I'll do these things. I'll go there. But fear is never supposed to drive us. It's never supposed to think, be the thing. I'm going to be without friends. There will be nobody else I can marry. I've got to choose this person. I've got to hold on to my finances. I've got to do these things. And we place ourselves in Ziklag. Because God called us, but because we heard a bump in the night and we got nervous in our faith and we ran according to our fear. And David now sits in that. What will I do? The people, they lose it. They're speaking of stoning him because they fear they'll never have their families. They fear everything's gone. They fear that it's all wasted and it's all lost. Look, if you're sitting in the middle of a burned out spot today, it's not time to fear, it's time to faith. If you're looking at a place that seems to be ruined, it's time to pick up and it's time to know something. It's time to get back into who you are because I'm going to tell you something. You won't find the answer of God until you're in the anointing of what God's called you to do. Until you're walking in the flow of the Spirit of who you are. If you're a singer... And all of a sudden the things come on you. And all of a sudden the tragedy and the trial comes. All of a sudden things start to come on up here for me, brother. Come on. Come on, because you're a singer. You're a singer, ain't you? All of a, all of a sudden uh, you're, you're in the middle of your trial and tragedy and things come. And the, the, doctor, the doctor might say a disease. The doctor might say cancer. Your, your, your family might say they're leaving. The, 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 the finances might say gone. And as long as he's down, just get down with me, brother. Come on. Come on, get, 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 get just, just what's ugly. Let, let, let depression start to roll on you in a symbol from a, the, the, the worry that starts to come on us. Oh, he can't flow in that. He can't find his answer. Come on, I need you. Can you come up this morning? Can you, can you just sit for a second and let it start to, ah, somebody's got to hear me today. It's not time to sit in the middle of your deal because as long as you sit there, as long as it weighs on you, as long as it does this, on you and it starts to bury you and put you down as long as it throws you to another place. As long as it waits there. But all of a sudden when you start to move in your anointing, come on, can you start to just, come on, just make a melody. Come on, just make a melody. Start to sing something. Start to sing. All of a sudden, you start to get in your flow. All of a sudden, you start to get in who you are. All of a sudden, it starts to hit you. You lift yes, yourself up. Yes, hallelujah. You start to hallelujah. praise. You start to we raise up in the gifting. His, yes, his anointing is a praiser this morning. He's a worshiper today. He's somebody that's gifted in that spot. It might be there. Show me down, brother. Show me down. But all of a sudden, something starts to happen. Give me some symbols this morning. Something starts some symbols. Some symbols. All of a sudden, something starts to praise and he starts to flow in his gifting. All of a sudden, who he is starts to come forth. He's got to pick himself up. 
himself up in what he is. David's a man of war. David so killed his thousands, but David killed his ten thousands. And all of a sudden, I can see David's in the spot. David's sitting right here, guys. He's in this place. And he's, as he's in this place, I can see him. He's looking around. The battle is gone. So, could the other worship team just go ahead and come on up? The battle has got so intense. Things have gotten crazy. He doesn't quite know what to do. The men speak of stoning him. And as long as he stays in his depression, as long as he's locked in what the failure is, as long as all he can see is the ground because the problem's got his head buried. But when David starts to look around in his anointing and who he is and his gifting, when David all of a sudden looks on the ground and goes, Oh, whoa, 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 I know war. I know battle. And there's something missing today. I see the embers and the smoke I can smell but something's missing today and I believe all of a sudden David sitting in the spot as he starts to walk in what he's gifted in will look up and go oh my God yes I need you to ride out 20 furlongs and tell me if you see this and he'll run, he'll hop on his steed, and he'll go as fast as he can. Abishai, I need you to make a circle of the camp. Check your man, check every one of the huts. I need to know, is this there? Look for this! And he comes and I can see David going, it's missing, it's not here. It's the, the one thing that would be in war is not here. The one thing that I've been trained to look for is not here. And now I can see it in a shama. David, there's none there. Abishai coming back and seeing there's none there and all of a sudden David will look up and say guys bring me the ephod because there's victory waiting for us because even though everything's burned to the ground even though everything seems to be gone there is no blood on the ground ain't nobody been killed I see everything else but blood it ain't over with yet there's no blood on the ground Ain't nobody been lost. They didn't kill them, guys. They just took them. They just walked off with them. We can go get them, guys. We've been trained for this. So it might seem burned. It might seem lost. But there's no blood on the ground. I need you to hear me today. For your family, there's no blood on the ground. Marriage, there's no blood on the ground. For your children, there's no blood on the ground. For your finances, there's no blood on the ground. For your future, there's no blood on the ground. There's no blood on the ground. There's no blood on the ground. But you don't see it until you rise. Start to get in your anointing and know who you are. It's time to shake off every other band this morning. It's time to shake off the pain. 
some of you are walking in things right now that threaten to destroy you and as long as you stand the mercy of those things but if you'll stand up and start to walk in your anointing and what you've been given to connect to your God and trust him right now he'll let you see there's no blood on the ground so David will call for the ephod he will connect he will line back up with God he will seek God for an answer and then when God speaks to him he'll obey today that's our process it's time to make sure our family, our finances, our ministry our work, our life that it's seeking God that it's lined up with him and that it's obeying what he tells us to do but I want to tell you this morning there is no blood on the ground would you just stand with me around the room today I want to ask you a question real quick a couple of them what's making you live in an intense place today has it been your own walk in the flesh while you're living in an intense spot while your family is in an intense spot, while your ministry, your finances, the things of you, why are you in an intense place today? Has there been anything left uncovered? Has there been anything today that's not not closed? Is there anything you've left open for enemies of your soul to come back against you? lastly are you lined up with him today in this spot you know who you are if you need to claim there's no blood on the ground if you need to claim that God's still got an answer and it's not lost and done if you need to pick up if you need God to show you to get you back into the flow of of his presence and the anointing that's on your life and you need to be able to see what his victory is he says you will cover all all that he's got planned for you that's you in this house today. Would you just step out where you are? Just make a just make a place down here. Just for your family, come make a place. Come show there's no blood today. It might be your finances, your ministry. There's no blood on the ground. There's no blood on the ground. There's no blood on the ground today. There's no blood on the ground today. There's no blood on the ground. I want to see your glory.
Father, this is my prayer this morning, that you would teach us to fight the right battles, that we wouldn't be distracted by battles that are off in the distance and forget to fight the one that's right here in front of us. I pray that we would be diligent to cover every area of our life that needs to be covered. Even if it seems like that area is dead and gone, I pray that we would examine the ground one more time and we would refuse to give up and go off in defeat and despair and think that there's no victory that can be won. I pray that we would go back and get back everything that the enemy has stolen from us. And Father, I pray that you would cause us to be a group of people that live not by fear, but by faith. I pray that even when we look at destruction all around us, and even when it seems like we're at a dead end, and even though it may seem like we fought the same battle over and over and over and over and over and over again to no avail and to no victory or freedom, Father, I pray that we would not operate out of fear, but we would operate out of the faith that exists and dwells within us, and we would put our trust back in you and know that you can make dead things live again. And so, Father, I pray for marriages this morning that may seem dead. I declare there's no blood on the ground so they can live again. I pray for children that have been lost that we think they're gone, but we claim them in the name of Jesus they're not dead. They will come back to the fold. We, I pray over dreams this morning that we thought were long gone. But Father, we re-examine and understand that the dream may have been postponed, but it's not gone. It's not dead. Bring it back to us again, I pray. In the name of Jesus, we encourage ourselves in the Lord. Come on, just encourage yourself. Nobody needs to pat you on the back. Encourage yourself in the Lord. I encourage, I speak to myself and I say, self, God is able. to talk to yourself come on let's do this self I declare right now that all those dead things I thought they were dead and gone I speak to myself and I declare that God is able God is able to bring those things back to life and I claim them and I trust you for them oh God I encourage myself come on reach back and pat your own back I just encourage myself I can make it. I can do it because God is for me. And if God is for me, who can be against me? Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning for your word. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word that is alive and that speaks to us right at the place of our fear. I thank you for your word that penetrates our intense places and speaks faith and freedom and victory into us even in the face of defeat. And we understand that what the enemy has taken from us, he's only got it on borrowed time because we're going to go get it. It's ours. Our destiny, our heritage, they're ours. Our family is ours. 
we draw a line in the sand and we declare that they are ours and we refuse to give up without a fight that's what we've been trained to do we've been trained to fight you have built us and established in us a fighting spirit and we refuse to give up without a fight so father i release these folks this morning to go fight but not just to fight but to win I speak victory over every person under the sound of my voice that they would snatch victory right out of the jaws of defeat and then they would wave it in the enemy's face as a testimony of what God can do and what God is able to do. Father, we believe you're going to propel us into supernatural victories in Jesus' name. I want you to do this. I know I do some corny things occasionally, but I just sense it. I just want you to just kind of do your little circle and kind of look on the ground. Uh, I, I, I don't see any blood. I, I see some burned up stuff, but I ain't seeing no blood nowhere. Come on. Somebody understands what I'm talking about. I don't see any blood. It ain't over. 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 Now let me declare this though, there is going to be some blood on the ground. <laughs> when David caught up with them, there was some blood on the ground. There's going to be some blood on the ground, but it ain't going to be your family's blood, and it ain't going to be your men's blood, and it ain't going to be your finance, it's going to be the enemy's blood, amen? Anybody ready to kick the enemy's rear and take some names? Amen, I'm ready, amen? No blood, it ain't over. Keep fighting this week. Don't give up. The doctor may have said it's over, don't give up. Your spouse may have said it's over. Don't give up. Your children may look at you in the eye and say, I ain't walking that way anymore. Don't give up. It is not over. Hallelujah. Come on, give the Lord a hand this morning. We worship you, Jesus. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more passion resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.